0: the globe it's time for Rudy Max's world on the SSI radio network
1: i've been everywhere man i've been everywhere man across the deserts bare man i
0: breathe the mountain air man I travel, i've traveled had my share man i've been everywhere get on the phone now and call 800-387-8025 that's 1-800-387-8025 Email the program at info at rudymaxa.com or follow us on Facebook at Rudy Max's World. And now, America's number one travel radio show, Rudy Max's
2: World. Welcome aboard. And whether you're listening across the nation on one of our many network radio affiliates or around the globe via our 24-7 tune-in channel, thanks for being part of another hour of Rudy Max's World with Robert and Mary Carey. We're coming to you today from the Alyoska Resort. We're about 45 minutes southeast of Anchorage, Alaska. For hour two today, we're going to actually take you to the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Center where they're reintroducing wood bison to the area. We're going to meet the owner of a truly Alaskan destination, the Talkeetna Roadhouse. We'll learn about the Iditarod, and we're going to actually, in a moment, spend a few minutes talking about the centennial celebration for Anchorage. Plus, we're going to have a few other surprises. Uh, I just wanted to hit on a couple quick news stories before we get going. Uh, We continue to monitor the U.S. government's civil antitrust investigation, uh, where the airlines are colluding, or they at least purport that they're colluding, on new flights, routes, and extra seats. Uh, This has been because of a series of mergers in recent years between American and Delta and Southwest and United, all of those taking on other companies, and they control about 80% of the seats in the domestic airline market. Um, On an up note, uh, if you are a fan of or always wanted to go into the... Club rooms at airports. Well, if you fly JetBlue, JetBlue in New York now, they have just launched a brand new uh, club room that is open to everybody. It's at JFK Airport, and this is, they're providing Wi Fi, food carts, dog walking area, and so forth. And if you are a member of one of the clubs, well, the Centurion Lounge from American Express, great clubs, uh, they have now opened two more locations in Miami and in Seattle, Concourse B. We'll be checking that out as we head back to New York uh, through Seattle when we leave the resort later.
3: Uh, Okay. Okay, so let's get to the 2015 Centennial Celebration of Anchorage. The city has certainly grown a lot during the past 100 years. Uh, Joining us to talk about it is Jim Barnett, who is the chairman of the Centennial Commission. He's also the Cook Inlet Historical Society president. He's an author and an attorney. Jim, nice to have you on the show with us today. Thank you. Thank Thank you very much. So back from its early days as Tent City, Alaska, Anchorage has come a long way. Uh, give us a quick overview of, of all that of that and the centennial and the focus.
1: Well, the important thing is to remind you that this wasn't vacant land before the centennial started. We had the Dena'ina native people here. Right. Uh, and they uh, uh, were recorded uh, and their traditions understood first by Captain Cook, who came here in 1778. So we had a little bit of activity here before uh, Anchorage was founded. Right. In fact, Girdwood, where we are now... Was founded 20 years before Anchorage is a gold mining camp, very small town then. Mm-hmm. But Anchorage was established because uh, President Wilson decided to build a railroad that connected Seward and Fairbanks. Uh, if you look at a map, Anchorage is in the middle, Goes and so right they decided yeah. right. they decided that Anchorage would be the construction camp. And they announced in 1914 that they were going to do it, and in 1915. The world descended on little Anchorage, which mm-hmm. was essentially unoccupied. It was a summer camp for the native people locally, but otherwise it was pretty, pretty vacant. And so all these tents sprang up uh, in the early part of 1915, and so the federal government responding to that, they obviously couldn't keep those tents like that. It was a, a sewage problem, among other things, yeah. and so they decided to sell lots and so they cleared off the current downtown Anchorage and sold lots to people, and the, uh, this auction occurred on July 10th of 1915, and so we kind of consider that to be our founding and uh, so we're exactly a hundred years old. Yesterday, well, the, yeah. the
2: good, uh, the Good Friday earthquake of nineteen sixty-four. I mean, certainly yep. devastated the city. Sure. Uh, but one thing that we've learned that's evident is that you know Alaskans—they're resourceful people. So the city rebuilt; it's kept growing. Give us a snapshot of Anchorage in twenty fifteen, though. Oh well, it's um, half the state's population. It it's dominates over three hundred thousand people or more. Over Three hundred thousand.
1: Okay, right. About half the state's population. Yeah. Incredibly diverse community with hundred different languages spoken in the Anchorage School District. Some of our high schools are the most diverse high schools in the world and this includes the Bronx. I think you got, I think you guys are number yeah. 8 or 9, yeah. you know. Um, but um, um, we
2: uh, you got to you know, got to say that with the Bronx, the Bronx. Accent. yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm so sure yeah. That.
1: But it, it's remarkable. We have people yeah. from Southeast Asia, from all the Pacific island islands and of course Europeans and a, a number of Alaska native people as well. So it's a pretty diverse and remarkable community where the service and Uh, uh, manufacturing base of the state. Lots of tourism here. Our airport is probably one of the most significant in the world. And so uh, it's a pretty remarkable place. As you can tell, it's beautiful weather
2: here. Well, thank you for dialing that up for us. appreciate (laughs) that. Especially since we're outdoors doing the remote today. We're a little concerned about rain.
3: Who takes care of all those beautiful flowers in Anchorage? They're everywhere. Well, Anchorage
1: Municipality, the city, uh, has a... uh, A group of people who look after that. They start in the greenhouse in April when it's not quite this beautiful and they build the flowers and then they grow the flowers, excuse me, and then they plant them in May and they're out until September, October. They're everywhere, well. everywhere, everywhere in the city. Yeah, it's, Absolutely it's stunning. Yeah, they I'll even they even have there. a beautiful display celebrating Anchorage's hundredth yep. year too.
3: So um, on the hundredth year, I'm going to ask you to prognosticate a little bit. Sure. If you were to look at the next 100 years for this city, how would you? What would you see? Or what would you like to see?
1: Can
2: you have about a minute to
3: tell years? us
1: himself,
2: yeah. so.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know we're the, we're the northernmost community in North America of any size, and I think that'll continue will continue to grow and prosper. There's a natural resource base here in Alaska that's just starting to be tapped. Uh, we have a relationship with many of the other uh, cities throughout the circumpolar north. So I think our relationship with uh, northern communities throughout the world will be what's critical to our future.
3: Right. So there's still a lot of room for
2: growth.
1: Absolutely.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Well, well Jim, uh, again, thank you very much. Uh, the website for the centennial?
1: Uh, AnchorageCentennial.org, not hard, but uh, we're having a lot of celebrations here this month. This is the critical month uh, where we're exactly 100 years old, and uh, we have a new mayor, and he's going to take us into the next three years at least.
2: Well, uh, so that that will be—we're going to leave it there with you. We thank you very much for coming up. Very nice to meet you, um, and you have a, yeah, thank a, you. a great place to live. Great. All right, so— up next, uh, you know, I did want to just hit one thing for folks before I do that. You know, if you're not familiar, Alaska, think about the, the, the deal. Uh, you know, William Seward, uh, Secretary of State, actually bought Alaska from the Russians for about two cents an acre. It was about seven point two million, 7.2 million. And, yeah. and, and did that back in uh, 1867, I guess it was. That's yeah. right. All right. So up next, Scott McCallus with the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Center. He joins us. This is a 200 acre location open to the public where they're taking in injured or orphaned animals year round. We're not talking about dogs, cats, or bunnies here, I promise. Think wood bison, elk, bears, eagles, moose, and porcupines and more. So uh, we'll share it with you beginning in three minutes.
0: Connect with America's number one travel radio show by calling 800-387-8025 or follow the program at RudyMaxa.com. We'll be
4: right back. If you're seeking the adventure of a lifetime, a fun trip that's unlike any you've ever experienced, then it's time to visit Iceland. Yes, Iceland. Right now, the Icelandic Tourism Bureau offers Rudy Max's world listeners exclusive trips that can't be beat, like the Iceland Luxury Tour or the Around Iceland's Ring Road. Packages are amazing eight-day, seven-night trips starting around $1,600 per person. The experiences and exclusives you'll receive are outstanding. Check these special offers out at rudymaxa.com and click on the link to Iceland Tourism Bureau. If you suffer from muscle or joint pain, inflammation, or other aches, give all-natural Relief Factor a try. Just go to relieffactor.com and order your two-week trip. Trial Pack for 1995. Stop popping those over-the-counter, body-harming painkillers. Instead, get Relief Factor. It's all natural and contains just four ingredients, omega-3, resveratrol, icarin, and curcumin. This product works, and if you suffer from aches, pains, or inflammation, check out relieffactor.com or visit rudymaxa.com, look under sponsors, and experience life pain-free again. If you or someone you know is addicted to drugs or alcohol, this could be the most important
5: message of your life. Write down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 1-800-452-1653. That's 1-800-452-1653. By calling the treatment helpline for drug and alcohol addiction, you can turn your life around. Our advisors will match you with a proven five-star luxury treatment center that will end your drug or alcohol addiction once and for all. Your future can still be bright When you call right now, you'll speak to someone who understands what you're going through. Let us help you break your addiction to drugs and alcohol before it's too late. This call is completely confidential. And if you have private insurance, there should be no cost to you. Take five minutes of your time and call right now. It may change your life for the better. Call 1-800-452-1653. That's 1-800-452-1653. Call 1-800-452-1653.
0: To connect with the program, call 800-387-8025. That's 800-387-8025. Or visit the show online
2: at rudymaxa.com. Welcome back to Rudy Max's World. It is 18 past the hour here in Rudy Max's World. Thanks for spending a little bit of time with us today. We're broadcasting from America's 49th state in the Alyeska Esker Resort in Alaska. This segment of the show is being sponsored by lifelock.com. Folks, identity theft is just rampant out there. And if you travel, use your credit card, you access public Wi-Fi, share your social security number with doctors or at hospitals, you're at risk. But don't stop living your life. Just do what Rudy, Maxa, Mary, and I do. Uh, get LifeLock Ultimate Plus Protection. Visit LifeLock.com and enter promo code Rudy to save 10% on your membership. That's LifeLock.com and enter Rudy to save 10%. Or you can just go to our website, RudyMaxa.com, and click on sponsors.
3: Natural wonders and wildlife are clearly part of everyday life here in Alaska, and we found a place that's able to blend both really well. It's the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Center, where they welcome over 200,000 visitors each year. It's a 200-acre sanctuary dedicated to providing care for injured or orphaned animals, including bears, lynx, elk, and many more, as we saw. They've also been instrumental in reintroducing the wood bison back into Alaska. Scott McAllis is the director, and he joins us now. Welcome, Scott.
6: Yeah, thank you guys for having me.
3: Scott, we really enjoyed visiting with you yesterday and seeing the animals thriving in such a natural space. Uh, Share with our listeners the benefits of the large acreage for these animals and how important that is to their rehabilitation but also their reintroduction back into the wild.
6: Yeah, one of the primary philosophies that we occupy at the Wildlife Center is that with large and natural spaces, wildlife have the opportunity to display large and natural behaviors. So we really like to have uh, a very natural look and feel to to the facility. And then again, in turn, that provides the visitors with an experience that you're you're hoping to find in Alaska, where you uh, have the impression that you're visiting the wildlife actually out in the wild. And uh, we don't have that same look and feel of a typical captive facility.
3: Not at all. Not even close. It was amazing. And it's a, what is it, a two-mile loop? Yeah, it's right right around around a two-mile loop. Yeah. 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 Um, We were very excited to see moose calves, too, in fact, that you have right now. Uh, How do you find your orphans and who makes the call about determining whether an animal is an orphan.
6: Sure, that's one of the really unique aspects of our facility. We're a nonprofit organization and we actually own very few of the wildlife we care for. Uh, We work really closely with the state of Alaska and with the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. So if there's an animal that's been orphaned or if there's an animal that's been injured, we'll get those wildlife uh, through the Alaska Department of Fish and Game. And then again, in turn, the hope is rehabilitation and release back into the wild.
3: Right, and if not, the animals stay with you.
6: Yeah, we can create permanent residency at our facility and then uh, if we don't have the capacity to care for an animal permanently we've worked with other partners here in Alaska and then internationally as well. We've placed animals in the lower 48 and then at facilities again all over the you world. We
3: have all over. Okay. And do they do they follow the animal? Do they track this anim- animal to determine?
6: Yeah, and there's quite a bit of work that's done in yeah. advance of having an animal leaving our facility. Um, recently we had uh, one of our Kodiak cubs leave for a bear sanctuary in Sweden. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's been a really fun process yeah. to be able to keep in touch with that Facility to see that bear grow and how to see how How are you transferring?
2: How are you transferring a cub from uh, Alaska yeah. to Sweden? That's
6: a good question. He was uh, he was flown a couple of years ago and he's not flying coach. I don't think. So no, no. <laughs> I don't think he was flying coach. No, um, I believe FedEx actually was the group that helped us with that one. Okay, um, but yeah, we've got a really wide variety of partners. We just flew in an orphan Sitka black-tailed deer, and Alaska Airlines very generously helped us uh, with the flight and the transportation of that newborn.
2: So, so going back to 1989 when the center was first founded uh, by Mike Miller. Yep, uh, And then it became, it transformed into the Alaskan Wildlife Conservation Center, I think 2001 or so? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so how has that original vision been carried forward to today?
6: Sure. Uh, we originally opened, as you mentioned, in the late 80s as Big Game Alaska. Uh, as it slowly grew and developed, it, it continued to, to form into what Mike's original vision was for the facility. And then, yeah, as you mentioned, it formally switched over to the nonprofit we see it as today. And at the time, uh, they then switched the name to the Alaska Wildlife Conservation Center to better resemble the mission statement that they were occupying.
2: Hmm. Uh, all right, so certainly from what you've said, your preference is to release the animals yeah. whenever possible back into the wild. Um, there, you just recently, we want to talk about the, the wood bison. You had a herd of wood bison that were released uh, this past April, I believe? Yeah. Successfully? Uh, yep, this uh,
6: this spring, and then uh, we had another effort where we just recently sent out uh, another load of males uh, to accompany the females and the subadults that had gone out later on
2: am, the I, They're about 300 miles west or so of Anchorage?
6: Yeah, exactly. Okay.
2: So how, how are you tracking them? How do you, how do you decide, you know, okay, they're healthy, they're going to survive? Because they were completely extinct from Alaska altogether. Yeah, can yeah. We touch on that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. A big,
6: yeah. Uh, they're actually one of the only animals to ever be taken off of the extinction list. And they had formerly been on the extinction list for just over 17 years. So there's a tremendous amount of work that goes into an animal that would say be on the endangered species list. But uh, wood in numbers were not believed to have been low. Again, they were believed to have been completely wiped out from the world else together for about 17 years. Hmm. Um, The state of Alaska began working on a variety of habitat research in the mid-90s, and then we brought our first animals physically to the state here in 2003, and that was when the Wildlife Center uh, got involved, and then, yeah, over the last 12 years. And
2: for listeners at home right now, if they haven't seen, if they're familiar with what a bison looks like, I think you would call that a plains bison. Exactly. uh, All right, but a wood bison, it's about... 25% 25% larger?
6: Um, they can be a little bit larger. I'm not sure if, if 25% might They're be... They're substantially, be though,
2: when you see it, yeah. you, you know the difference.
6: Yeah, and normally between the males and females, they tend to be about two to 400 pounds larger respectively. However, with wood bison, one of the big differences would be the dominant bulls, and those are the ones that are going to be recognized as the largest land animals in the Western Hemisphere, and those males can historically be upwards of close to 3,000 pounds. Oh.
3: You have um, some educational programs. Can you touch on that for our listeners, what yeah. you offer in terms of programs?
6: Yeah, absolutely. We offer a really wide variety of educational programs, uh, both the summer visitors that we see and then educational opportunities over the course of the year. And We'll send our naturalist interns into the schools, but then we also offer quite a bit of it over our website as well. Uh, so over the course of the last couple of years, we've developed a new series of wood bison curriculum and lesson plans. We've also got a few different bear uh, lesson plans. You uh, have a buddy there, do you not? Uh, yes. Yeah, we do. We, yeah.
2: we met him yesterday. Uh, yeah. JB? Yeah, yeah.
6: JB, JB's individually. He, he's my buddy. Yeah, we, we've spent some time together over the over my tenure at the Wildlife Center. Uh,
2: and I love, by the way, for again, listeners, uh, JB is because uh, the company Joe Boxer yeah. uh, sponsors them yeah. and helps pay for everything uh, since they've been on site.
6: Yeah, so one of the things that people don't uh, know as much about, uh, so one of the things that affects quite a bit of what we do in captivity is what the wild populations are are looking like. So uh, if there's a a species that's, say, come under hardship, that can affect what we do in captivity, and it can push a lot of our efforts. Um, With brown bears, right now, their population's so phenomenally healthy in the wild that there's not that same amount of need to be saving these animals and sending them into captivity. So, uh, yeah, as you mentioned a number of years ago when there was this very unique story that came out about two itty-bitty orphan cubs. Uh, we actually saw the two companies, Joe Boxer Clothing and Patron Tequila, actually step forward. Yeah, that's right,
2: Patron. I forget Patron's JB's yeah. sister. How could you forget That's Patron. right, I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, you know, after the show, we'll enjoy some. Sure. <laughs>
3: I couldn't believe how responsive he was to your voice yesterday yeah and, and how close we were able to get to him, but under safe circumstances Yeah, and, and, and you shared,
2: just by the way, if somebody wants to see j b was it um what was the the television show that was up
6: uh shooting yeah top we've, here yeah we've done a really wide variety uh, of different TV and photography projects. Uh, yeah, we shot an episode of Top Gear a little over a year the ago. The
2: American version. Yep. I know our kids were disappointed, and wasn't the <laughs> British
6: version. Um, and we, we hosted Jeff Corwin a couple of days ago, so it's, it's been a really exciting summer for the Wildlife Center. Sure. And, uh, and
3: what did we see yesterday? Was it an elk? A baby elk. Yeah, it was born while, literally within 30 minutes of us being there.
6: Yeah, while you guys were visiting yesterday, yeah, we actually had our third elk calf. Boy yeah, it was like so, 10
2: minutes. Uh, yeah, and, and we came upon it, and and mom was really pushing the calf
3: up. Let's go. Let's yeah, go, and no, go. Yeah. nobody was there. I mean, there was someone on site besides uh, yeah. you, but there was somebody monitoring and watching. But nobody was in there. She was. It was like it was in the wild. It's, yeah,
6: and with definitely of, not a zoo. Right, and with some of our wildlife that we again in turn hope to release, we, we try to keep a very hands off. Approach. And, and with our elk herd specifically, we're working on a project where we where we could potentially begin introducing them to several of the islands down in the Aleutian chain. Um, but yeah, for that reason, we tend to have a very hands-off approach, and the calf, just as we witnessed yesterday, was successfully and naturally Yeah, delivered. it was
3: a beautiful sight to see, really interesting. And you are open year-round.
6: Yep, we are open year-round. Uh, our summer hours are 8 in the morning to 8 at night, and we can accommodate quite a bit of the tourists up here during that season, and yeah, in turn, we, we do offer a variety of tours and programs throughout the entirety of the well, year. Well, as,
2: as Mary just said, again, uh, for anyone that wants to go experience the wildlife in the woods, uh, in the wild, I should say, yeah. uh, and, and not, not, not in the woods, we don't encourage that here, I'm sorry, uh, I mean, what you're offering is, it's not a zoo experience by any means. No, and, not at all. Thank you very much. So uh, if you want to find out more information, uh, just go online, it's alaskawildlife.org, that's alaskawildlife.org. And Scott McAllis, Scott thank you very much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate the you. time yesterday.
6: Yeah, thank you guys for visiting, and thanks again for having me on the show. That's great. great. Appreciate thank that. You.
2: All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to learn all there is to know about the, about Alaska's famous Iditarod. Sign up, sign up for the race just began. Uh, it's coming up in March, so stick with us. Mary and I return in three minutes from the Alyeska Resort in Girdwood, Alaska.
0: In Rudy Maxa's world by calling 800-387-8025. Access the show anytime at rudymaxa.com. We're coming right back. If you've got aches, pains, and soreness, it could be chronic inflammation.
1: Listen to what Georgia has to say about relief factor.
3: Over the years, I've had several injuries. I have had lots of pain, and it's been hard for me to exercise. Now, I'm much more active, so I'm losing weight, and I feel better. I would recommend it to anyone.
1: For more information about Relief Factor and the two-week quick start for just $19.95, go to relieffactor.com. That's relieffactor.com.
4: When you book your next trip with Orbitz, you can get Orbitz rewards and then use your rewards instantly. Get it, use it. Now, to remember this, we wrote you a dramatic poem. Get it, use it. Get it, use it. Get it, use it. Get it, use it, get it, use it, get it, use it. Book your trip with Orbits, get Orbits rewards and use them instantly only on Orbits. Orbits rewards, instant vacation gratification. Learn more today by visiting orbits.com/rewards.
0: are always open at 800-387-8025 and stay connected
2: with the program at rudymaxa.com now back to rudy maxa's world welcome back it is 33 past the hour robert mary carey here and this is rudy maxa's world coming to you today from the alieska resort in alaska
3: This segment of the show is being sponsored by ReliefFactor.com. So many in our audience are now taking the all-natural Relief Factor to get and stay out of pain. If you suffer from arthritis pain, back pain, neck pain, shoulder, foot, knee, chronic inflammation, go to ReliefFactor.com today to get your two-week quick start pack for only $19.95. That's ReliefFactor.com or visit RudyMaxa.com under sponsors.
2: Long before the first Iditarod in 1973, dog sleds carried people, supplies, and explorers across the frozen tundra uh, of Alaska. The Iditarod is steeped in years of history and traditions, and during our travels around the state this week, we had an opportunity to meet a former racer who's just written a book about his experiences. His name is Bert Baumhoff. Uh, Bert's joining us now. Welcome to the show. Thank you.
3: Bert, you're a seven-time Iditarod racer. You've lived in Alaska for over 50 years. Share with us a little bit about the significance of that sport to the state of Alaska and the people.
7: Well, in in my view, it's everything Mm -hmm. to the state of Alaska. I had had a dream of bush pilots and dog mushers and gold miners since I was a child. And when Joe Reddington invented Iditarod, it made it possible to live those years over again. Right. And so many times on the race, I'd be in a, in a situation where I would think, this could have happened a hundred years ago, exactly as it is right now. No mechanization, just you and your dogs and the wilderness.
3: Right. And the training, what, what about the training that goes into this race?
7: The training is really, for me, the the most significant part. Because in training, you're living out there and you're living that lifestyle, and it's a lifestyle. You live in a small cabin, remote, very few neighbors, very few visitors. When something happens, you better be able to deal with it.
3: Yeah.
7: Uh, you depend on your dogs. Uh, the friends that you have are close friends, the kind that stop in unannounced, just beat on the door, and mm-hmm. you open it up, and you're glad to see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to me, a ride is a reflection of Alaska 100 years ago and today.
2: Right. The relationship you have with your dogs is clearly very important. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah.
7: You feel like a kindergarten teacher. You've got a bunch of little personalities out there they all depend on you they're all looking to you for guidance uh, to learn uh, you owe them so much uh, in kindness and and uh, mentoring uh, the relationship with the dogs is half of I did around and I
3: well, think you won an award a prestigious award for the eighty four race for Best dog care or the way you take care of your dogs or took care of your dogs?
7: I did. That's probably my proudest accomplishment is I was awarded for best care of a dog team during the 84 race.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh, But this is a 1,000-mile race. Uh, It's over a nine-day period? It depends. Depending on the weather conditions?
7: Well, in in the day when I was doing it, back in the 80s, uh, 12 or 14 days was kind of normal to get there. But now the race trail is groomed. Uh, Nutrition is probably improved. Right. And now the race is eight or nine days. Yeah, it's so much so shorter. what do you
2: think is really required to endure and win the race for folks? If people are listening out there saying, I did a run, hmm, maybe that's something I want to uh, consider. What, 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 what does it take? Okay, first of all,
7: if you have a yen to do it, you should do it whether or not you ever win it or not. You should just do your best. And because the lifestyle and the experience and, and the people you meet are worth it. But to win... It takes a combination of focus. You cannot make a mistake. You're out there for a week and a half. You cannot make a mistake. It'll cost you everything, even a small mistake. So you have to be focused. You have to be very capable because there's nobody out there with you. There are other teams in the race, but you're normally alone. And if something happens, you better be able to deal with it. You better be tough enough and have the experience and knowledge and resources to take care of yourself. And plan B and C and D. Mm -hmm. Correct. Yeah,
3: Yeah, it's just you and your dogs. You don't have a team behind you (laughs) helping you or following you or anything.
7: That's true. Yeah.
3: Uh, So you told us your proudest moment. Can you give us a little taste of the other side of the race briefly, uh, about a moment that perhaps... uh, was daunting even for you where you had to go to plan yeah. G, yeah <laughs> H- on.
7: well I plunged through the ice uh, during the 81 race my first Iditarod I was traveling with Joe Reddington we were going to travel together and I missed the trail my dogs led me off and I didn't see it in time and went through the ice it was about zero 30 mile an hour wind and right out of a Jack London story yeah. I mean, it's almost funny looking back at it it's totally drenched <laughs> and um but no thought of fear; it never enters your mind. It's you—you uh, you simply focus on what you have to do: get out of your wet clothes, get a fire going, get dried out, get the dogs fed, take care of yourself, move on.
3: Right. Well, you've written this compelling book. The name of the book is "I Did a Rod Alaska: Life of a Long Distance Sled Dog Musher," and you can find that on Amazon. Correct. Or bertbaumhoff.com as well.
7: Either one. Okay. If you find it on Amazon, be sure to look for the second edition.
3: Okay. Second edition,
7: I did around Alaska.
3: Bert, thank you. For right, being Bert, with us Bert, today. We really enjoyed that today. Appreciate
2: yeah. you coming up here. Did you come by car or did you come by sled? I came by car, okay.
7: <laughs> and I was in a horrific traffic jam. <laughs> yes, well, the Seward Highway <laughs> yes, is beautiful. It but, might have been uh, faster yeah, with the
2: dog sled was today. Was the tour buses <laughs> or the RVers, I guess? Uh, but We we're, weren't sure about that. All right. Well, uh, when we come back, we're going to take you about 150 miles north. Uh, to. Th- there's this bohemian Alaskan town called Talkeetna. Uh, if you... Actually, if you ever watch the show Northern Exposure, then you're going to want to take a listen. Uh, we're going to take you to one of the oldest establishments in Talkeetna, still in operation, the Roadhouse. So stay with us. Mary and I will be back after these messages.
0: Maxa's World phone lines are open anytime, so call us at 800-387-8025. And so is the website at rudymaxa.com. Stay with us. We're coming right back after these messages.
4: I'd like to extend a warm welcome to our newest sponsor, MyPillow.com. The Carries and I have been using a MyPillow pillow now for weeks, and we're loving them. They're American-made and guaranteed to provide the best sleep you've ever had. Rudy Max's world listeners receive a special buy-one-get-one free offer. So if you suffer from snoring, insomnia, neck pain, migraines, allergies, sleep apnea, TMJ, and more, get the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own by calling 800-775-1983 or go to MyPillow.com and enter the promo code RUDY. There's also a link at RudyMaxa.com under
8: sponsors. Hey, Cricketer Metro PCS customers. For a limited time, slash your Cricket or Metro PCS payment in half when you switch to Boost Mobile. With Cricket or Metro, you'll pay $40 a month for a plan. But with Boost, you'll pay half that. That's just $20 a month, plus you get 2.5 gigs of high-speed data to go with it. Hurry into your local Boost Mobile store today for details and check out the lineup of the latest Samsung Galaxy phones. Offer valid until 7 Requires valid in store port from select cricket or Metro PCS wireless plan to eligible Boost monthly plan at participating indirect dealers. Excludes BoostMobile.com and national retailers. Not all Metro PCS or cricket plans will have an equivalent Boost plan, and certain cricket or Metro PCS plan services may not be included. After 12 months, promotional plan expires, and plan automatically changes to higher price equivalent plan. Not combinable with certain other promotions. State and local sales taxes or fees may apply when adding funds to accounts. Coverage and offers not available everywhere. Boost reserves a right to modify, extend, or cancel offer at any time. Prohibited use rules and other restrictions apply. See participating dealer for complete detail. Cricket is a registered trademark of Cricket Communications, Incorporated. PCS is a registered trademark of T-Mobile USA, Incorporated, DBA, PCS.
5: If you or someone you know is addicted to drugs or alcohol, this could be the most important message of your life. Write down this number or store it in your cell phone, but call 1-800-452-1653. That's 1-800-452-1653. By calling the treatment helpline for drug and alcohol addiction, you can turn your life around. Our advisors will match you with a proven five-star luxury treatment center that will end your drug or alcohol addiction once and for all. Your future can still be bright. When you call right now, you'll speak to someone who understands what you're going through. Let us help you break your addiction to drugs and alcohol before it's too late. This call is completely confidential, and if you have private insurance... There should be no cost to you. Take five minutes of your time and call right now. It may change your life for the better. Call 1-800-452-1653. That's 1-800-452-1653. Call one 800 452 Sixteen fifty-three.
4: There are river cruises, and then there are river cruises on board the award-winning Emerald Waterways cruise ships. Emerald Waterways European cruises won the 2014 Cruise Critic Editors' Pick Award for the best new river ship, and it's easy to see why. Shore excursions are included on almost every cruise day. You'll experience first-class service from an English-speaking crew, complimentary Wi-Fi, spacious accommodations, and gratuities, transfers, and port charges are included. To get your new 2016 brochure, visit EmeraldWaterways.com or go to RudyMaxa.com and look under sponsors for emerald waterways
0: To participate in the program, call any time, 800-387-8025, or log on to RudyMaxa.com. Once again,
2: you're in Rudy Maxa's world. And it is 43 past the hour here in Rudy Maxa's world with Robert and Mary Carey. Nice to have you with us as we broadcast from Alaska this weekend. So if Alaska's on your travel plans, uh, or in your travel plans, now or in the future, make it a point to visit Talkeetna. If you've ever watched, as I mentioned before the break, the TV show Northern Exposure, well, that was based on Talkeetna, and this historic end-of-the-road town is known throughout the world as the base for climbers making their way up to Mount McKinley uh, for the big climb, North America's tallest peak. So we had a chance to visit uh, Trisha Costello. She's the owner of the Roadhouse, and here's that interview.
3: Tricia, the Roadhouse is Mm -hmm. much more than just a restaurant with great eats for travelers. Share with us, what is a Roadhouse and what's the significance of a Roadhouse restaurant in this Mm -hmm. area?
9: Well, I'm glad you asked that question because so many people come and experience Talkeetna Roadhouse and really are only seeing the food part. And then by the time they wander through the building, on their way to the restrooms in the back, they see the rooms and they see the spaces and the community spots, uh, books and big tables. And they ask me the same questions, like, what the heck is this place? So, well, it's a roadhouse, and uh, it's kind of like, a, you know, uh, there would be a spot, uh, a day's journey away. So you would get up in the morning, get a meal with your other fellow travelers. You would then hit the road, and then by the end of the day, you'd stop at another place and then do the same thing. So you would have an, an, a meal, get a good night's sleep, and then talk about the trail, talk about your travels, and you would meet yeah. people going both ways. And these days, um, the Talkeetna Roadhouse has been in its location since about uh, the the main building since about 1916 or so. Official roadhouse since the 40s, when they really added the rooms and the and the food component and plumbing that really helped. Sure. Uh, right, I bet that um, made a difference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And people would come in here and get a meal. Climbers uh, made the place really famous, kind of in the uh, late 50s, early 60s, and they get big family-style breakfasts uh, before their big climb up the mountain. And even now, you know, we're open year-round and we see a lot of travelers that, that will make the journey into Talkeetna on their way from Anchorage to Fairbanks in the because the daylight hours are so short. It's nice to break up the trip. And so we get a lot of folks that are just, you know, traveling up and down the road. Um, Alaska also has a lot of roadhouses on the river system. So again, a day's journey away. In between,
2: sure. So you've been here, uh, you personally have owned this now about 20 years? Um,
9: 19 full official years in April. Okay. And this is the 20th summer. So I kind of feel like it's more like dog years. It feels like 50.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you're doing everything. Yeah. But every day you you get to touch so many people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you know what brought you to the Roadhouse, and what keeps you going?
9: Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying head. to stump you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I honestly didn't think it had anything to do with food <laughs> when I started, and you know that quickly became apparent <laughs> that it was really all about you know a lot of food. And to me, it was about home cooking and just being nourished. But you, know, yeah. you know, having that place to hang your hat for a night, get your clothes cleaned. You know, we have coin-op laundry in the back. You uh, have showers. Right? We to sell showers public, to right? the public certain, yeah, certain climbers, hours now right. during the summertime, and right. then you're all the time, you know, in the winter, yeah, you know, and just kind of being that place that is a is a is a hub for information of the community. You know, I'm, I'm a calendar geek, so I really know what's what's happening in town, and I don't want any of my of my guests or or folks coming through to miss out on something that the community could offer just because they didn't know. And so I'm kind of like the know it all, right? And um and I really take a lot of strides in doing that. Uh, obviously, the restaurant part, the food part takes up a lot of energy, um, couple that with an old building, a, a growing tourism business in, within our small town that just keeps exponentially growing. I don't know that there's ever been a, a winter when I haven't done some sort of remodel to the kitchen or equipment right. upgrade.
3: Would you say the Roadhouse currently caters more or do you see more of the climbers coming from Mount McKinley or are you getting a lot of other tourists, like people that are lodging here or staying here, is it predominantly the climbers? No, and that's something okay. I hear people say a lot. You know, when they see the rooms and they kind of
9: laugh and they go, oh, who stays here? All climbers must right. stay here. I'm like, and I look at them I like, go, no, really, everybody stays here. So All kinds a, of people. So you just a total mix. We do. We yeah. get a total mix. Obviously, we're on the, a little bit more of the funky, authentic, kind of old, creaky, floorboard, historic roadhouse with bathrooms down the hall, and that appeals to a certain demographic of people. But uh, climbing season really is only from the end of April through the very beginning of July. So, you know, that's just a, you know, we're getting to the end of that right now um, at this time but we have an international set of folks that come through the the bathroom down the hall doesn't really scare them so much we do have a couple of cabins that have their own bathroom if you
2: were to describe this place really to the listeners across the country right Mm -hmm. now it's very authentic certainly very collectible. but to you from your heart what what does the roadhouse mean
9: genuine frontier hospitality
2: all right we're going to leave it there trisha thank you very much
9: thank you thank you
2: when we come back, Mary and I will introduce you to one last person here in Alaska, Joe Hickel. He's an owner and chef at the Hotel Captain Cook in Anchorage and son of Alaska's former two-time governor and U.S. Secretary of Interior. Stay with us. We're back in three minutes.
0: To participate in the program and have some fun, call 800-387-8025 or email the show at info We're coming right back. To join Rudy Max's World, call anytime, 800-387-8025. Follow the program on Facebook at Rudy Max's World. Now back to America's number one travel radio show.
2: Thanks for staying with us today. It is 52 past the hour. We hope you've enjoyed the show. It's certainly been fun visiting Alaska the past week or so, and... We've been enjoying our time here at the Alyeska Resort, for sure.
3: Yes, we definitely have. And we spent a few days in Anchorage to begin this trip and stayed at the Hotel Captain Cook. The Hickel family has owned the property for 50 years, and the hotel has played a very important role in Anchorage's development and history. Joe Hickel is an owner, and he's also their pastry chef. He's also the son of Alaska's former two-time governor and U.S. Secretary of Interior and hotel owner Walter Hickel. We sat down with Joe to talk to him about his hometown of Anchorage, and here's that interview. Joe, the Good Friday earthquake back in 1964 really leveled Anchorage. But your dad, a former two-time governor of Alaska, and he also served under Nixon as U.S. Secretary of Interior, was really instrumental in helping further the growth after the earthquake, starting with this hotel, the Hotel Captain Cook. Tell us a little bit about that and how the hotel has evolved over the years.
10: Yeah, um, my whole family was uh, involved in the earthquake. We were at home, and we went through it, and we thought it was going to be Kind of like the end of the world. At least I did. I was young. I was 10 years old. My brothers were older. My dad was in Japan at the time. So then he uh, came back about two or three days later and saw the devastation. And most of the devastation was this end of town. And the town was kind of starting to get a little distressed and panicky about what they're going to do. People were maybe possibly moving out. Business. They're just panicked. Right. And dad, with the confidence he had, he says, "We're going to build a hotel." and announced that and the hotel was opened up in uh, 1965 and uh, it created an anchor which boosted
2: and he built the hotel in a year
10: Yeah, he built the hotel, yeah.
2: Yeah. I think I saw 363
10: days to build this place, which is amazing. Uh, And it was built the wintertime. That was the first time, if I believe, a building this size was built in the wintertime. And it was quite an endeavor. So
2: this year, Anchorage is celebrating its 100th centennial. You're celebrating your 50th anniversary. Right. So what are some of the things that you're doing? And how has the hotel, as Mary said, how has it evolved over the years from what you've seen? Well, we had a nice celebration out of the 4th Avenue entrance here a couple weeks ago.
10: Uh, a lot of people came around I, I we fed at least 4,000 people. Great celebration. Old people came by and visited my mom and it was really, really great. Um, after Tower One was built, we built Tower Two and Tower Three and we've seen uh, a, a lot of growth in the hotel from the convention business and the food and beverage business. The How outs-
3: important is the cruise business to the hotel? Cruiser-
10: very, very important. Uh, my brother Wally, who runs the hotel, does a great job. He's uh, known uh, in the uh, tour business and he works very well with the people because you have
2: to in the hospitality industry, sir and it's very, very important. You're also the pastry chef. Right. So now this is an iconic hotel. This is the place to stay when you come to Anchorage. There's no question. I mean, clearly well-themed in the Captain Cook. Uh, You feel almost like you're in a ship at times. The culinary side of it, from the pastry side to um, all the restaurants, the Crow's Nest restaurant you have here, how important is that to your business? Well, it's very important. Uh, We started
10: the bakery back in 1977. I came on board as apprentice for about three or four years and then took over like in 1982. Uh, it is important. Um, everything in the hotel, uh, from the bakery side, we make everything in-house. We're responsible for the uh, desserts in the restaurant and for all the banquets uh, and any cater-outs. And uh, we can say we, I think we're about the only hotel in Alaska that has its own bakery, and uh, everything is pretty much made from scratch. I got a, a good staff down there, and uh,
2: it's really cool. So when we forecast out 50 years from now, will the, the hotel Captain Cook still be in the Hickle family? Can't say that right now. Can't it's, say that, okay. No,
10: because we're getting older. We yeah,
2: don't, okay. know, don't know what's going to happen.
10: But right now, it's well in hand. It's well in hand, well f- in hand. yeah. Okay. My brother does a great job running the hotel, and then we have a board, and we have a, a, a lot of input on this thing. It's a very personal board, and it's, it works very well for us. Uh, we're really proud of it.
2: Well, Joe, thanks yeah. very much. I
10: appreciate your time today. All right, thank you. Have a great day out mm-hmm. there.
2: You know, Mary, we could probably do a four hour show today uh, and not scratch the surface or even come close to it because there's so much to do here in Alaska, uh, but we're almost out of time. So any final thoughts about what we've experienced here in Alaska uh, you want to share with the audience?
3: Well, it's certainly, I mean, it's, it's a state with a view everywhere you look, um, just stunning, stunning mountains, uh, the ranges, the lakes, but also uh, the people. Very resourceful, very warm, welcoming. I mean, it's certainly diverse. There are people from all over living in this state, but uh, there's definitely an air of, um, I would say, people can solve problems here.
2: Yes, they're resourceful. People
3: will definitely solve the problem yeah, that, that arises. Uh, and well. very welcoming. All
2: right. Well, I would say for me, it's really the size of everything, whether it's the land, the lakes, uh, you know, uh, the mountains, everywhere you look. It's just we, right now, as we look around from the Alyoska Resort, the, the views are spectacular, but the mountains are huge. Even the animals, they're the wood bison. Yeah, the wildlife. Uh, we just said the Alaskans are resourceful people. Uh, there's There's a feel of the frontier that's still here. I mean, yeah. it's, it's evident. Yeah. And, and on that note, I'm happy that uh, I was able to pan for gold and, we, and get you some gold here, whether yeah, it's been thanks. certified well, or like not. Like we
3: said, it's a pretty rock. We're going home with
2: some Alaskan gold. <laughs> okay,
3: so, okay uh, Robert. Yeah, all right. So <laughs> uh,
2: just a couple uh, quick things, um, everything going on in the news regarding the Greek referendum. Uh, you may want to uh, check out Spain and Portugal. I see that that's a real destination for folks. Uh, Heathrow in the news probably not going to get that second runway, and um, I think that uh, that's probably all that we really need to get to on the news and so forth, so um, we really appreciate everybody being a part of this. All right, so before Jeff and the network back in New York takes over, I want to give a special thanks to all our guests who joined us here today in Alaska. Uh, and certainly everyone to the Alyeska Resort for their hospitality and professionalism. uh, I would encourage you to check out this place, AlyeskaResort.com and come visit, whether warm weather or cold weather. Also thanks to our show engineers, J.R. Zufelt with our Anchorage affiliates KOAN and KVNT, and Jeff Ryder running things for us back in New York, our apprentice RJ, and of course all of you out there that make this America's number one travel radio show. Wherever you may be headed this week, travel safe and enjoy. You've been
0: listening to Rudy Max's World, America's number one travel radio show on the SSI Radio Network.